The Storms of Life Part 1 of The Storms of Life series A Sandman Potfic Written by Torte and read by Literarian Summary What if someone heard Hop shouting after Dream in 1889? He was pretty damn loud. What if he gets himself caught? Will Dream notice? Chapter 1 The thorns which I have reaped are of a tree I planted. They have torn me and I bleed. I should have known what fruit would spring from such a seed. Lord Byron Fuck! Hob swears loudly as his stranger's back fades into the dark. Fuck, fuck, fuck! He spins around, walks back in the direction of the inn, then turns again and hurries after him, but when he rounds the corner, his stranger is nowhere to be found. Hop rakes his fingers through his hair and lets out a frustrated whine. No, 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 please come back. I didn't, I just... He stops himself begging the empty street for answers and heaves a shuddering sigh. A scraping sound makes him turn, but there's no one to be seen. Dejected, he makes his way back to the inn. He still has to settle the bill. Might as well have another drink or three. Later, when Hop feels blessedly number than before, he makes his way home through the dark streets of London. It's too late to find a cab, and so he walks. His lodgings aren't far, but he'll have to bribe the manager to let him in at this hour. He's glad the man likes him and sees in him a confirmed bachelor like himself. He hasn't invited Hop into his room yet, but it seems like something not far off if Hop's experience is anything to go by. Maybe tonight that'll be the price for a dry and warm bed. He laughs and stumbles onwards. Maybe someone to take his mind off his stranger would do him good. Hop leans against the wall of the closest building for a moment when the street before him spins a bit too wildly. The sound of footsteps coming closer has him try and focus. Getting stabbed is uncomfortable and Hop would rather avoid it. The footsteps stop close behind him and Hop turns with an exasperated groan. <sighs> Listen, take my money, mate, but please don't put a hole in this coat. It's new. He is knocked over the head and falls back against the wall with a grunt. His vision blacks out and the last thing he hears is a haughty man's voice. Take him away. We'll test his claims at the manor. Lucien's time is precious. 
She hasn't got the time to read every book in the library. She chooses certain topics or individuals to focus on, depending on the century, the trends of certain dreams or nightmares, and sometimes personal interest. Her lord's mood is of singular interest to her at all times, and so when Lord Morpheus returns from his meeting with Robert Gatling like a pitch-black emissary of the void, trailing newborn nightmares like an open box of Pandora and shuts himself in his room without so much as a glance at any of his subjects, well, let's just say that the books of a certain immortal individual have just been pushed to the top of her reading list. Especially after the thunderstorm hits the castle. After several hours of turning pages, she takes off her glasses and pinches the top of her nose, sighing. Mervyn, do you have any alcoholic beverages on your person at the moment? I need a drink. Hop regains consciousness and immediately wishes he hadn't. His head is hurting something fierce, and he groans. There is a gasp nearby and a shuffle. Then a young man says, By all that is holy. And another, much more satisfied voice that sounds vaguely familiar. I knew it. Hop tries to lift his head and opens his eyes a crack. The light of gas lamps on bare stone walls. Darkness above. He is lying on the floor. He feels the cold of the stone through his shirt. Did they take his coat? Damn them. Father, this is a miracle. No such thing, Randall. This is a gift. Something that can be gained by any man, if this one is anything to judge by. Hop feels dread coil in his gut. His gut that feels surprisingly tender. Did they... Did you... Stop me? He groans and tries to sit up. His stomach pulls and he winces, but the wound seems healed already. He opens his eyes more and looks up at the two men standing above him. One is a man in his prime with a sharp nose and a cruel smile. The other is younger, the son probably, only on the cusp of adulthood. He looks frightened. Out of the corner of his eyes, Hop sees two more men standing guard at the door a few feet away. The older man says in a pleasant voice, like he's discussing the weather, You were stabbed, yes. We took you in to look after the wound. But it seems to have sorted itself out. You, my friend, are a very interesting man. His grin is splitting his face, and Hop finally realizes what kind of trouble he's in. The dreaming is wrecked by thunderstorms and rain for weeks. 
Mervyn complains about it constantly, especially when Jessamy drags in rainwater and flicks it off her wings directly in his face, which is rude. But Lucienne knows that Mervyn needs something to occupy him, and the less he has time to think about why it is raining, the better. Lord Morpheus hasn't left his room since he returned. Lucienne knows she will be met with fury for daring to disturb him, but something needs to be done. Something is nagging her and she doesn't like to be distracted. She takes a deep breath and knocks on Dream's door. There's no answer. My lord, I am sorry to disturb you, but... Several subjects have complained about the current weather disturbing their homes and hindering them in carrying out their functions. Ahem. They request an audience. There's a shuffle from the other side of the door and it creaks open. Morpheus stands in the doorway, looking like he hasn't rested in days, deep circles under his dark eyes and a harsh downward twist to his mouth. I will not grant it at this moment. The weather will be dealt with soon. He shuts the door in her face. Lucienne frowns and then speaks again, knowing he can still hear her. There's another matter, my lord. Robert Gatling. A crash sounds from inside the room and Lucienne blinks and takes a quick step back from the door before it is flung open again. The King of Nightmares rises up out of the doorway like a rolling black cloud and stares down at her with flames dancing in his eyes, his face a mask of stoic rage. You dare interfere in my personal affairs, Lucian. She does not step away further, but lowers her gaze deferentially. I wouldn't, my lord, if it did not affect all of us. Dream cocks his head and sneers. And how does Robert Gatling affect you, Lucienne? I said the weather will be dealt with. It affects us because it affects you, she doesn't dare say. Instead, she says, I came across his latest book of dreams and I thought it prudent to inform you of the change in his dreams. Dream scoffs and turns away, back into his room, pulling black smoke and dream stuff inside after him. I have no interest in the dreams of one human. I do not want to hear his name spoken again in my presence. Lucienne steps after him before he can shut the door in her face again. 
My lord, he has only nightmares. The worst kind. Was that... Is that... By your intention? Dream phrases. She sees the hand at his side clenching violently before it forcibly relaxes. The king straightens his back and steps further away. As he closes the door, he says in a clipped voice, He has lived many years and seen and done any number of horrible things. Why should he not have any number of nightmares? I do not care. The door closes with a final heavy thud. Hop dreams. He dreams of rain and dark empty streets, hard cobblestone under his feet as he runs. He is looking for someone. Or is he running away? It doesn't seem to matter. It's always the same dream. It always ends in him slipping on the wet stone. As he falls, there is no floor to catch him. He falls into darkness, deeper and deeper, sinks into it until he thinks he's drowning, and then he remembers how it feels to drown. When he wakes up, he gasps and coughs, pulling in lungfuls of air. When he looks around, he almost wishes he was dreaming again. He doesn't know how long he's been here. He is kept in a cellar and there is no daylight to count the days by. He has kept time by how often the guards change and he thinks he has been here around a month. He has counted the times they have killed him. 39, which tracks roughly with a death per day. 39 times the man who has not yet introduced himself to him has ordered his goons to shoot him, stab him, choke him, drown him, bleed him. That one took the longest so far, his blood replenishing almost too fast for him to die. Almost. Until the man had grown impatient after having observed the process long enough and cut his throat. The floor around him is filthy with dried blood. His clothes and body are drenched in sweat and filth. Hob is hungry. Starvation will not kill him, he knows. Neither will thirst, but he hates the feeling more than anything. He tries not to sink into despair. It will do him no good, he knows. He focuses not on the pain or the fear or the absolute madness that his captors refuse to talk to him, but on tiny details instead. The number of buttons on the guard's uniform, the number of cracks in the stone floor, the different ways his stranger's face did show emotions in minuscule movements. 
he tries not to think of him. The memory of their last meeting is still a fresh wound on his heart, and in his darkest moments he cries and prays for his stranger's safety. Because if they had got him, who's to say they couldn't get his friend as well? On the fortieth day, the man steps into his cell and looks down his nose at him. Hop looks back, unimpressed. They have cried a lot of ways to kill him, only few remain. He hopes that they won't set him on fire. He remembers the great fire and shudders. Please, not that. I believe we have reached the point where you know what kind of man you're dealing with, Robert Scatling, the man says, and Hop's mouth falls open in surprise. He is finally speaking to him, but is it a good or a bad thing, he thinks. The man continues. Yes, I know who you are. I have been watching you for several years. I had to make sure you are what you claim to be. Not a demon, nor fae, but an immortal man. Now I am prepared to make you stay here a lot more comfortable, provided you agree to give me truthful information. Hop swallows, hope bubbling in his chest, despite the man knowing him. What he knows can't be all of it, right? Be assured, however, that should you lie to me or betray my trust, I will return you to the cellar and cut your organs out for selling. You'd be surprised how many medical students and doctors are prepared to pay a pretty penny for a fresh human heart. Hop nods, dazed. He'll figure something out. He'll play along and find a way to escape. Some opportunity will surely present itself. What other choice is there? He nods again, his mouth too dry to speak. Satisfied with his reaction, the man gives a thin smile. Very good. My name is Roderick Burgess. We have a lot to talk about, Mr. Gadling. Mm -hmm.